Hello homies, so today's episode is a little bit different and more geared towards the homeopaths. It is a recording of a very special lecture on remedy provings by Misha Norland and two of his sons, Manny and Luke Norland, from just over a year ago, not long before the much-loved Misha's passing. The recording jumps straight into Luke talking on the proving of the remedy serotonin, then Manny speaks on the proving of the remedy lightning, and the recording the recording finishes off with Misha's talk on the proving of the remedy AIDS. The School of Homeopathy is well known for the amazing work they do on proving new remedies. And if you'd like to purchase their provings book, you can do so at www.schoolofhealth.com forward slash books forward slash a celebration of provings with dashes in between. So it's a little bit tricky to read it out, but I will pop it in the show notes and um, you can find it there. And then if you're interested in studying with the School of Homeopathy, visit www.homeopathyschool.com and also make sure that you check out our interview with Manny Norland on the podcast about the School of Homeopathy on episode 131. So just scroll back a couple of episodes and you'll find it there. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Ah, we're recording too. Yeah. Serotonin acts as a trophic factor. These are proteins that support the growth, survival and differentiation of neurons. And this starts soon after conception. So this is directly related to the production of serotonin in the mother's gut and its transfer into her blood platelets. From a very early stage of gestation, the fetus also starts synthesizing its own serotonin in a special group of nuclei in the midbrain. Serotonin is known as a happy hormone because it is now recognized for its power to lift depression, regulate mood and affect happiness. Dopamine, oxytocin and endorphins are the other three happy hormones. Serotonin also helps to um, regulate sleep-wake cycles and suppress appetite, and it's necessary for muscle contraction, cognitive function, and it plays a role in all sorts of areas in the body, especially the autonomic nervous system. So it has a, a, a very broad sphere of action in the body. High levels of serotonin can cause diarrhea, fever, raised heart rate, dizziness, tremors, and convulsions. And low levels are associated with depression, fatigue, anxiety, insomnia, migraines, even OCD-like behavior and mood swings. So most of the body's serotonin is found in the gastrointestinal tracts where it regulates bowel function as well as reducing appetite while eating. Um, it's released by blood platelets when there's a wound the resulting vasoconstriction uh, reduces blood flow and helps blood clots to form. It also appears to inhibit sexual activity. So um, you might know of SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which boost serotonin levels in people with depression. So it seems that clinically um, serotonin is likely to become a remedy used in this way. So it's also seen in some insect processes in roles similar to the human central nervous system, such as memory, appetite, sleep, and behavior. Locust swarming is actually mediated by serotonin, and it transforms social preference from aversion to a gregarious state, 
which enables coherent groups, something that's really interesting and has certainly come through in this proving. Also learning in flies and honeybees is affected by the presence of serotonin. It's also a compound in uh, stinging nettles where it causes pain on injection. So we're gonna to expect to see quite a lot of this coming through. So SSRIs, so this is like Prozac and Zoloft, they work by increasing serotonin levels. So normally in the brain, after carrying a message, serotonin would be reabsorbed by the nerve cells. This is known as reuptake. But SSRIs work by blocking or inhibiting this, meaning that more serotonin is available to pass further messages between nerve, nearby nerve cells. When it's taken um, in the drug MDMA, this causes like a flooding of serotonin that leads to heightened sensitivity, touch and movement become intensely pleasurable. And there's an intense connection and empathy with others with you know, rushes of exhilaration that often come with nausea and a need to defecate uh, quite urgently. And this um, physical sensitivity comes with self-acceptance, empathy for others and sort of opening up and this all came through really strongly in the proving. And of course, you expect to see the other side when the um, serotonin supplies are depleted. So at the core of this remedy, we see profound and frivolous bonding sort of disintegrating into a sensation of isolation. There was stream boiling heat and freezing ice that came through almost straight away on taking the remedy, actually. It was a very fast acting remedy. And um, the core of the proving really re was reflected in one um, sort of sensitive prover. And um, yeah, they talked about connection as running like a golden thread throughout the proving. Um, many provers reported like a feeling of oneness and intensity or vividness of sound and color. Um, bonding, whether that's with family or animals or just even strangers, um, a sense of unification and attachment, and also wanting to be mothered and hugged or even regressing and becoming childlike. So when you've got this sort of strongly bipolar nature in the remedy, um, and it's, you know, it's like when there's connection there's enhancement and uh, aliveness and oneness. And it, this was sort of brought about in this strong delusion of um, being an angel and protecting, like wings folding out and protecting the tribe, which is really interesting. Um, so this, this sort of person who might need serotonin is going to be, there's going to be a connection to the divine there or some sort of spiritual aspect there. They're going to want to bring joy and laughter and hugs and connection all the time. And when that goes away, there's rejection, unloved, withdrawal and detachment. So this is the Mundi from the book. Um, you can see the main thrust of the remedy. Um, the dynamics are between fire and air or heat and cold or spiritual and isolation, connection and disconnection. So at the kind of fire end of the spectrum, we see sensations of giddiness and frivolity and out of control silliness. It was raucous. The, the proving was, um, you know, succussing the remedy was just absolute hilarity within the group. Um, there was a sort of joke that was unspoken, but that the succussion process looked like 
the act of masturbating and he got everyone in, in hysterics and that just sort of carried on like a roller coaster ride um, through that evening uh, and then of course the disconnection which followed was like wanting to sit on the sofa and do nothing speak to no one not do any housework everything was such an effort irritable rock bottom disconnection isolation and unloved so with this low serotonin level is the insecure position and the sense of rejection and a real desire for bonding just for the sake of connection rather than necessarily sexual. I love these bits in the book where there's a, a table with sort of miasm suggestion, comparisons to other remedies, sphere of action, sensations and images. And it's a really nice encapsulation of what the um, proving brought out. So you can see like an obvious comparison to the entheogen drug remedies where there's this um, connection to a spiritual state or a cosmic, um, even psychedelic state. Entheogens are drugs that have been used by shamans and healers such as you know, magic mushrooms or cannabis indica. Um, and the myosin is quite acute, you know, it's very fast acting, very sort of polarized type symptoms, mostly in the neurological sphere but also in the bladder, there were um, UTI, really strong UTI-like symptoms and latchkey bladder and incontinence um, that really came through strongly. And this angel and the sort of light being reflected or beaming with light were some strong images that came through. So sarcodes, there's a bit of work on sarcodes, well, a lot of work on sarcodes by Jeff, Jeff Johnson, and he's mostly focused on glands and hormones. And sarcodes are basically essential for human life processes. And you might be able to get some hints as to the sarcode uh, type patient from the language that they use. And this is where Jeff's done uh, some amazing work. So someone who talks a lot about their function and needing to do something perfectly, you know, that you're just here to do your job and to make things work in harmony. That's the sort of language that a sarcade might use. It's a very brief introduction because we're only doing short presentations. But these are some of the sensation words that Jeff was able to bring out from his provings by sort of, with each prover, taking them to the sensation level, really. And, you know, there's some interesting uh, remedies that he's been using, like testosterone, which is about protection and providing and the sort of image of perfect strength and oxytocin, the hormone of love, like close, loving, romantic, bonding hormone. It's probably quite close to serotonin. And thyroidinium, they have to be useful or needed. There's a sense of betrayal or no trust, a bit like you get from the halogen group. Of course, iodine is part of the thyroid um, physiologically. So what comes through with serotonin? Let's have a look at some of the rubrics in the mind section. So there's this need to be strongly attached and also a polarity around nurturing, um, whether it's for cuddling, nurture, desire for, or um, aversion to her own children as well. There's this nice delusion that he was again an adolescent, this idea of regressing back to a childlike state, feeling of vulnerability, 
but conversely, like the delusion surrounded being by friends, one of the cannabis indica uh, symptoms. Uh, and of course, delusions, not even angels seeing, but that he became an angel, that she had wings that enfolded the um, her tribe. And there's loss of emotions in a big way, you know, and the feeling of cut off. And also this, you know, sees an abundance of light, almost beaming out of herself was the expression. There's a need to protect and, you know, there's a sort of dual theme around responsibility on the one hand, giving it up and on the other, really wanting to nurture children and being connected to family. And the sensation of unification with everything, even nature. And in the physicals, these are some of the highlights. There's quite a lot there, but there were some, some strong chest and cough and breathing symptoms. As though the chest were caving in, can't breathe, hurts to cough, struggling to breathe, can't talk, can't communicate. It's so important for serotonin. It's all about connection. So communication and anything which connects to others is going to be central to their case. And this, when I started getting angry with my children, my heart and chest area started aching. Very interesting sort of mental, emotional connection. There were so many UTI-like symptoms. This one here with cutting pain and this latchkey bladder. So as soon as you get in through the door, you, you, know, you have to go to the toilet and incontinence. And there was someone, one of the provers, every time they had to um, admonish the children, they would wet themselves. So it really was very strong. So yeah, there were some back symptoms as, as is very common in, in improvings, but a heavy aching weight pushing down. And, you know, the prover said, it actually sums up my whole day, which has been spent going from place to place, helping others and trying to keep them happy and calm and relaxed. That's a very Sarcode type expression. You know, I'm trying to do it all for everybody else to make it perfect for them. This is a nice one. Wow, everything is so crisp and amazing. The trees are really beautiful. The grass is really green. Everything's a bit sparkly. I feel like I've been at a festival for three weeks at the time of my life, had a good sleep for a day and then woken up still a bit spangled, but ever so calm. Spangled is like relaxed, at ease, warm, cozy, wrapped up. There were problems with appetite, um, which, which you would gather from, you know, reading through the role of serotonin in the body, especially in the gastrointestinal tract. So people just had to snack all the time. You know, a lot of people put on weight, feeling of heaviness in the lower abdomen. And yeah, comfort eating sort of thing came up. And these are just some of the small rubrics that were found. So stitching, sort of shooting, neuralgic type pains were strong affected the vision, affected the bladder, and it affected the digestive system. And the thermoregulatory system, you know, big, big time, this icy coldness and boiling heat, which we'll get to. There were quite a lot of like uterine sensations, cramping, disruption to the menstrual cycle. And yeah, this, this nice rubric conscious of the uterus, just the consciousness went there, we're very aware. A lot of pulsation and vibration and energy. 
okay and and this you know lack of vital heat but also flushes of heat alternating with chills so sorry if i'm going very quickly guys but we have limited time we want to make this a nice interactive session for you too so one of the main themes connection bonding and attachment as you'd expect from this um neurotransmitter which is all about connection at the synapse cleft there's a feeling of being hyper connected vivid a part of everything very significant and intense awareness of bonding and connection my little girl is beyond attached to me she won't go to school touching my skin constantly pure attachment the previous felt connected very deeply with one another holding hands hugging and touching there's this nice rubric that he's taken a love drug it was just like that intoxicated with love warm cozy loved and safe inclusive atmosphere as if invisible barriers had been broken down we were all loved up draped over each other physically and emotionally connected when I came back inside, I felt disconnected. Can't pull myself into the room. So this, the previous thought, was the central key to a really deep level. So perhaps if you see a case and you use Mapamundi and it's all fire, air, polarity, connection, disconnection, spirituality, or unloved and isolated, maybe this remedy comes to mind. So disconnection, the polarity. This was um, the night of taking the dose. Improve awoke at 3.33, felt so desperately low, crying, an overwhelmed feeling that everything was fucked and wouldn't ever be better. There was a feeling that wanted to kutch, cuddle, but so alone, nobody was there. Hurt, rejected and unloved, especially by those closest to me. So the other side. I didn't fit in, sad, rejected, ugly, can't find my mojo. It's as though I've given up all hope of having willpower to stop myself. This is related to eating. Profound isolation, totally detached, don't belong, isolated from the rest of the world and connected to death. No focus, no drive, completely detached. The mothering theme was strong. One prover felt like regressing. They wanted to suck their thumb and did so secretly. Felt like a child started crying. One was buying ba all beige clothes, um, wanting to bake for their baby, for their family. Dreams of mother, she came up and hugged me. She was out on remand from prison. I was trying to clear her name. That's so attached. Thanks, mate. So attached to the kids, giving hugs to everybody. I wanted to come out of the bathroom in my bra and knickers and bond with the girls. And then like my own one-year-old was forsaking me. If mum hadn't come in, I would have just carried on crying. When someone gives you a nice hug, you kind of disintegrate. All about connections. Quite a simple picture, really. And we have to cover this aspect of angel. It's very strong for one prover. And it's this being an angel, powerful with wings, a specter and a sword. Don't mess with my people. I felt the wings go back into my body. It was so intense. This happened twice. And the second time she was holding everybody, enfolding them in the hall in love and light and in safety. 
And this prover didn't want the proving to end. You can sort of imagine why. She felt that she is light, the light is coming out of her and that I'm somehow glowing, that people can see and recognize this in me and that I see it reflected in them. It was as though my heart had been cracked wide open and the light was beaming out as if I was glowing. The water systems of the body were very affected. A lot of crying, a lot of weeping, as though I was channeling the sadness of the whole world through me. But it felt cleansing. And here we see all the bladder and UTI-like symptoms and uterine symptoms that I mentioned already. I'll share this presentation with, uh, with you so you can read up on it to a greater extent. Affecting the menstrual cycle, period pains for three weeks, but with no period. And also burning in the uterus, which I've never had before. Frivolity, it was big in the start of this proving. At the end, I felt high as a kite leading up to the big reveal, but then the whole thing felt like an epic come down desire to giggle, laugh at nothing, hysterical laughter. This happens quite a lot in proving, but it was very marked in this one, very marked. This is the feeling of being spangled after Glastonbury, spaced out high and giggling. And then the other side, like a raging meltdown. I don't give a fuck what the world thinks. Had a complete and utter meltdown, didn't want to speak to anybody. Things build and explode incandescent with rage could easily break into a tirade of abusive expletives and want to fight everyone don't like myself as a person felt unsupported lost your mojo you're your own worst enemy where i'd normally be empathetic i just don't give a fuck cursing and then we have this Heat, cold, icy fire, polarity. It's as though the uterus was on fire, alive, active, and full of energy. Coldness throughout my body, accompanied by shivering and goosebumps. Like my feet were sitting with, sitting in ice. All of a sudden, I was boiling hot and clammy. There was even like feet like ice blocks, disconnected and cut off at the ankles, as though my feet were in a morgue. Horrible sensation. So all of this boiling and tingling and icy, freezing cold. And here we have the final quotes from our key prover. I really loved proving serotonin and it was almost with regret that I had to let it go. Although I'd been really excited to find out what it was, it was high as a kite and the big reveal and the closing ceremony. The whole thing felt like an epic come down. Thankfully, the day after college, I had one final beautiful serotonin day for myself. I was walking around town and felt as if my heart had been cracked wide open and the light was beaming out. I literally felt as if I was glowing and surely everyone could see it. I felt love and connection towards everyone I saw. I wish I could always feel this way. So thank you very much for your attention. I'll hand over to uh, Manny. Great, thank you, Luke. Nice one to start with and fantastic remedy. And um, for any of you that have uh, tried um, ecstasy, then you've probably had a little feeling 
little flavor of the loved up serotonin feeling and that kind of mummy connection. Um, but I'm here to talk about a very different remedy. Um, we're gonna do lightning together now. And uh, lightning has lots of energy. <laughs> so it's a good one to do. Um, so how did we do lightning? Well, lightning was done by using uh, fulgurite. And I'll tell you a little bit more about fulgurites in just a moment. So um, we did, uh, Misha and I did the lightning proving um, in October, 2013. And there were, there were 10 provers. Um, and uh, we were given the fulgurite um, by a friend of Misha's that lived in Arizona. And they were out walking uh, on their horses. They were, they were with their horses and they wanted to have some kind of purpose to their uh, journey into the desert. So they would go into the desert specifically looking for fulgurites. Um, so fulgurites are specifically when um, the lightning hits the sand. And when the lightning hits the sand, it's 180, uh, 1,800 degrees and um, it's so hot that it melts the sand, it melts the silica of the sand and causes a blob. And this, this picture I'm showing you here is about three or four centimeters across. And this is the actual fulgurite that we used for the proving. And Misha and I immersed that in, um, uh, I think it was vodka or ethanol and did an immersion proving. And then that was used to make the, to make the tincture that was then run up into 30C. Um, this is another fulgurite, and this type of fulgurite happens when um, the, the uh, lightning hits the sand and then continues down underground and creates this kind of crystalline formation under the ground. Um, and here are a couple more um, fulgurites where you can see that crystalline structure opened up, or you can see more of these kind of blobby structures where it's obviously hit some darker coloured um, substrate or sand. Um, and so you're getting the energy of the lightning um, frozen in, in the sand. Um, and that meant that we were able to um, take the lightning and, and do a proving with it and have that kind of electric energy. So um, around the earth, there are around 40 to 50 lightning strikes every second. That's 1.4 billion flashes per year. And usually a lightning strike lasts for around 30 milliseconds. So when it hits the ground and makes that connection and earths itself, that's the, that's the connection, the 1,800 degrees, 30 millisecond connection that then melts um, whatever, whatever it comes into contact with, the, in this case, the, the desert floor. Um, so, and here's another one where um, rather than hitting sand, it's hit a rock and has melted, melted the rock. Um, and fulga is um, Latin for thunderbolt. Um, and that obviously makes sense. So what you're getting here is the two components fusing together, the composition of the sand and um, the lightning strike coming together to, um, to, generate, to generate this fulgurite that we can use in the proving. And um, we also know that lightning is discussed a lot in religion um, and many cultures um, use, um, use lightning in their depictions of religion, um, striking down from the gods. And of course, before, 
before um, lightning was scientifically proven to be to be um, coming from the clouds, people thought it was coming from the heavens, and perhaps um, you know perhaps we'd been doing something bad, um, or perhaps God was showing their power and was striking the earth um, down. Um, and also in Greek mythology, Zeus is carrying a lightning bolt, um, and he would um, use his his lightning um, to to bring justice and mercy to those as the powerful leader, the powerful God, the God of gods. Um, so another sort of sense of punishment and, and foreboding. Um, you also have um, Thor, um, another depiction, another God um, from the, from the, the Nordic um, religion uh, with his hammer and bringing bringing lightning and great power um, and then quite differently we have this little fella um, which is the lightning bird um, here we are the hammer cop lightning bird uh, quite an interesting interesting uh, bird and this um, is from Africa is from Africa just getting to my notes here um, and is associated with rich, witchcraft. And the bird is said to be able to summon um, lightning bolts um, from its wings and claws um, and would sometimes um, change into a good looking man to seduce a woman. Um, so this is, this is considered a, a very powerful bird. And I just, I, I love the kind of streamlined look of it. Um, and then lightning in religion we've talked about, and um, now I want to talk about how lightning is also an imponderable. Although um, we had used a fulgurite, where in a sense this, the lightning is kind of coming into the manifestation of the of the of the physical through the sand, through the melted sand. When we did the proving, we didn't actually get very many silica-like. Um, symptoms coming through. The proving had a lot more in common with imponderable themes. And so it has, which I guess, you know, if you think about the power of the lightning strike and the fact that it's essentially electricity or static electricity that's coming down from the clouds, um, then, then I, I suppose there's no great surprise that it's got these big links with imponderables. So you can see in the remedy, Sorry, I'm having trouble going backwards and forwards on my slides. It keeps jumping. Yeah, so like other imponderables, like moonlight or sunlight or magnetism, electricity, it had um, things in, in common with those. Um, so if we have a look at imponderable overview. Yeah, here we go. Um, so they, the imponderables, are obviously a set of remedies that are to do with energy. Um, they're often full of potential, full of power, full of force, um, capable of making a change or a transformation. And that can often be quite destructive. Um, they can be spreading and dismantling. They can be stronger than matter. They can penetrate matter. They can access everything. So they're unrestricted by time and space. They're sort of beyond matter, they're spiritual. Um, and if you think about lightning and even the way that it came into our fulgurite, you can immediately see how many of those would apply to the lightning bolt, its transformational power, how destructive lightning can be. 
Um, you know, when it when um, it strikes a tree and incinerates the water in the tree and often kind of makes them explode from the inside out. Um, that kind of power of destruction. Um, and if, you know, I, I can't remember the statistic of how many people get struck by lightning every year, um, but it's a surprisingly high amount and not many people survive. You're considered very lucky if you survive from a strike of lightning. There is one guy, I think he was American, who's been struck seven times by lightning and survived. And he is in the Guinness Book of Records. Um, so yes, it has this, it has this great um, destructive power, but this great force and energy and ability to penetrate and go where it wants. You know, you never know where lightning's gonna strike. Lightning never strikes the same spot twice. Um, this, this kind of thing and that whole kind of buildup of the energy. So lightning has a lot to do with electricity. And if you've ever stood underneath a pylon, which I'm sure many of you have, then you get that sense of electricity. You can hear the hum, you can feel the buzz, and it feels, I don't know, for me, it feels slightly uncomfortable. It's like there's a great power above you and there's something that doesn't feel, doesn't sit quite right, a kind of foreboding about it. And that's exactly the same um, with a thunderstorm, of course, when it's coming in. <coughs> so static electricity is when you get a buildup of electricity in different materials. And we've probably experienced this ourselves when um, you're wearing um, plastic soled shoes and you're rubbing around on a carpet and then you go and touch some metal and you immediately earth yourself and you get a little static shock. So in a way, that's a miniature version of what's happening with lightning, with the static buildup of electricity in the clouds. Um, so that it's thought that all the ice particles in a cloud are rubbing together and then um, pulling apart the uh, electrons and neutrons, um, uh, positive and negative electrons from around the neutron. And then the positive ones are going to the top and the negative ones are coming to the bottom. And then eventually the the, the sort of buildup becomes so great that it needs to earth itself. And it can earth itself either by flashing in amongst different clouds or flashing down towards the earth to the nearest object, um, like a tall building or a tree. And then you get these huge flashes of energy of electricity dissipating from the clouds. And then you get your lightning. And when a storm is coming, then you get that kind of sense of, of um, something, something building up. The sky's darkening, it's getting blacker. There's an energy building. There's going to be thunder, there's going to be lightning. I need to get indoors, I need to be safe. I don't want to be out on a high hilltop surrounded, you know, I don't wanna be hiding under a tree or holding an umbrella up. You know, there's that sense of impending doom. And that definitely came through in the proving, this, powerful energy, this powerful electricity, this flash of extreme violence, but this buildup of impending doom before it. Um, and um, I had some personal experiences with the proving quite early on after taking um, the remedy. Um, and I, I had, for example, I had a, a, had a nightmare of being surrounded by wolves and wolves coming to get me and having to hide 
um, in amongst the rocks to get away from them. So that sense of impending danger. I also had a dream of being at a very at the top of a very tall staircase and having to come down all these stairs to get down to earth. But it was really good fun. And I was bounding down these stairs and I was looking forward to get to getting to the bottom. I had another dream of walking through long, long corridors and feeling claustrophobic and held in like the channel or the tunnel of lightning coming down. Um, another dream of somebody stalking my wife and this kind of sense of impending danger. Um, so these are, these are all um, common. I've also um, been electrocuted several times. <laughs> um, I, like, I, I, I like doing my own DIY and electrics and I have electrocuted myself because I, I take risks. I'm a bit of a risk taker, so I don't switch off the fuse box. You know, I play around in a light switch and sort things out. I should go and switch off the fuse box, but I don't. So on occasion, I've had a little electric shock, and I don't know whether any of you have had that. But it's a really interesting feeling. I'm not, I'm not advising it, by the way. It's very dangerous. But it's a really interesting feeling. The whole of your body gets this incredible jolt, this incredible zap of energy, and it feels... I, I kind of left feeling like all my atoms got straightened out and put in, put into sync and kind of tidied up. Um, but also it's incredibly painful, um, but kind of exciting. And I so all of that is kind of bound up in the proving as well. And um, so let's have a look at some of the proving themes. Of course, we've got this electricity and energy. So people were waking up in the night and feeling full of energy. People were having trouble sleeping. Um, people were um, not bothered by having trouble sleeping because they had so much energy. So they were getting lots of things done. They felt buzzy. They felt energetic. They felt unable to sleep. Mostly it was kind of a positive energy. It wasn't like a, an insomnia. It was like a, it was kind of almost a good thing. But then along with that came this kind of this obliteration and violence of anger which, you know, if you, if you think of the lightning bolt striking and all that power and energy coming down, that, that ability to, of, to obliterate and to take something out. So one prover said, it feels like there's too much power in this proving. It's too hot to handle. I can't sit with it. I don't know how to discharge the energy. I'm not sure if it's positive or helpful. I'm worried that it's too raw and unstable. And I mean, isn't that just amazing explanation of lightning when you don't even know you're proving lightning? Um, somebody else said that they were unusually aggressive, full of furious anger, constantly exploding. And um, so those types of symptoms coming through. So a general kind of intensity or buildup of intensity and emotion in the proving came through. So an intensity of all of the symptoms. Um, and people reacting more quickly to things or having less tolerance to things and snapping more quickly. Or it could be a pleasant intensity, like a deeper love connection or a deeper connection with their partner, but a general general intensity of all things, which again, you can imagine with the buildup, you know, the intensity of the buildup of the storm or the intensity of the lightning. So where you see cases where there's this kind of buildup of intensity going on and on positive or negative. And then things becoming exposed or things being hidden. Um, so this idea of, um, yeah, things like, um, somebody said they felt like they were going to a fancy dress party and they didn't know how much to cover themselves up or how much to reveal themselves. 
Um, another person said that they were um, moving into an old house and she was convinced it was being watched or judged and she was being hiding behind the curtains and peering behind the curtains. Um, so this, yeah, this sense of something being uncovered or exposed. Um, so going from hidden to being shown, which again, I mean, so many of these you can relate so beautifully to the idea of lightning and the thunderbolt and the idea of this build up in the clouds and then the thing being revealed and coming down. A loss of, a loss of boundaries and invasion. So of course, not surprising at all. The lightning, you don't know where it's gonna strike. It's kind of random. It could hit anything. So this sense of being invaded was there in the remedy and this idea of loss of boundaries. How can you have any boundaries? How will you know where the lightning's going to come down? Where will this immense energy and power um, come? So somebody said, my space is being invaded. Not enough space on both sides, bashed twice by a lady. Same spot, middle of the upper back. Um, sorry, talking about where the sensation was. Then somebody barges into the room while having a conversation. Another one just comes into the room looking at, looking at what's written. It all seems so rude and invasive. Again, I felt like my personal space was being invaded. So these sorts of things coming through. We also, we also had um, quite a lot of symptoms that with this kind of branching tubes or antlers, which um, was interesting because an, an antler looks very similar to a fulgurite. So there were a few mentions of antlers coming up or this idea of branching tubes. And I had that dream of being inside a tube myself. Um, On to the next one. Sorry, my screen keeps freezing. Just go back. Okay, speed and excitement. Lots of speed and excitement, of course. Uh, no surprise there, the speed of lightning, the excitement of lightning, the energy of it, the excitement of being in the thunderstorm. So yes, I seem to be, people saying, I seem to be enjoying my life more. It's so exciting, there's so many things going on. I can feel my heartbeat is more exciting. Something's captured my attention. I've, I want to zoom in on it. I want to narrow my focus. I feel intense energy. Um, life is such fun. I have a desire for doing exciting things. Um, these types of things coming up. Um, on to the next one. Um, of course, things to do with heights, things to do with flying, things to do with falling, um, lightning crashing down to the earth. Of course, there's no surprise in that theme coming through very strongly in the remedy. Um, and then on to the next one, we have um, patterns and vibrancy. Oh, yeah, sorry, my screen is sticking every time I change slide. Um, so apologies for the stuttering backwards and forwards. I'm sure it's got something to do with lightning. Um, but yes, lots of colours, lots of patterns, lots of vibrancy um, coming through, which we see a lot in the imponderables. Um, but a lot, a lot of that came through. Um, so one person described it as, as dreaming in 2D and the characters moving right and left and then suddenly everything popping into 3D and coming to life. Um, another person saying that they look, they feel like they're seeing everything through a bright camera lens and everything is oversaturated and over, over exposed. Um, patterns on the carpet became more interesting and exciting. Um, there was a sense of connection. So this is the connection of the sky coming down to the connection of the earth. So the lightning connecting and that great sense of relief that came with that being grounded and earthed. 
finally the energy is dissipated and then with that came this real sense of euphoria and calm so after the after the connection the grounding then the euphoria then this lovely feeling of of being of being out in nature of of of, of an overwhelming elating feeling generally feeling good of having the excitement taken away and being left with the calm um also, on the other side, we had the sharp stabbing pains, which again, not, un, not you know, you could imagine that with the sharp stabbing of the lightning coming down. The, so not, not surprising. And then this kind of blunt, instinctive stuff coming through where people are just like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do the social niceties. I don't want to be bothered. I want to do what I want to do. I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not about being alone. I just don't want to do what you want to do. I want to do it my way um, and push through. Um, so that came through as well. Um, and then I guess with the kind of, like I associate this at both ends of the proving, like at the beginning with the kind of buildup, if you imagine the buildup of the clouds, the kind of darkness, the kind of depressiveness of that. Um, but then also after all of the release, this kind of depression and sadness, this kind of dark side to the proving, um, uh, falling into this kind of black mood um, and linking that into the black clouds. Um, and then um, crying, um, people crying when they're talking to friends, people crying during the proving, um, not really understanding why they're crying, um, that um, coming through too. And I guess for me, I'm always looking like, how can I link the symptoms of the proving back to the signature? So I think of the rain clouds that come with the thunder and the lightning and the water and the crying that comes with that. And then here we have the, the Mappamundi um, from the book. Um, so we've got in the center there, we've got penetrated um, and stalled. And then at the top of the fire axis, we've got all that explosive electricity, the flying, the high, the vibrant, the color, the vertex, the God stuff, and then coming down, penetrated, obliterated, falling down to the air side, that kind of lonely abandoned, and then over to earth, the grounded earth side, and then on the water being in the flow. Um, and then um, where water and earth meet, you get that kind of happy, faster side of lightning, the connection, the buoyant, the chatty, the social. And then on the darker side where earth and air come together, you get the melancholic picture being distanted, being not bothered, being distracted, being detached. And then also in the book, we have um, these little charts, which Luke showed you for serotonin as well which give a really nice overview where you can see all the related imagery, sensations, and of course, um, sphere of action for lightning, uh, not surprising to see it on the nerves and to do with um, vision and the eyes. Um, and so for me, I can kind of put, put the, the story of the themes together with this kind of thing coming down from the top into the vertex, this like hot pressing, that came through in the proving, then this speed of excitement builds up with the energy and the vibrance, the, the intensity. And then it's like this feeling of being blocked up in tension, like this thing is building and building. And then the sudden release of energy, the sudden release of violence, the falling down, the loss of boundaries, the invasion, the connection is made to the earth. And then, ah, oh, it's connected. 
But then there was the stabbing, there was the violence, there was the anger. And then after all of that, the disconnection is felt, the lull of the excitement, the lack of industry, the sadness sets in, the slowness sets in. And then slowly, 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 the next storm starts to build, the energy builds again, the hot pressing starts to build, the excitement comes again, and so you go round. So that's lightning. <laughs> I hope that gives you a good flavour of it. I like it because it links um, so nicely to the signature and hopefully the, the energy and the excitement of it um, came through the presentation, even with my annoying sticky, sticky slides. Um, here's the um, proving book. Um, you can also access the proving in the proving section of the School of Homeopathy website where you can download the um, full report as well. Um, and so um, that's it. That's it from me. I look forward to um, any questions um, that any of you may have once, once we've heard from, from Misha. So handing over to you, Mish, for AIDS. Now, can you all hear me? Yes, I've got thumbs up. That's wonderful. Good. Thank you. Well, that was that was um, a lot. Two provings back to back is a lot to take in. And I'm going to offer you a third. Wow. Um, I think I think this is um, one too many to be honest. But hey, AIDS was the one that. Um, that grabbed my attention. It was the urgent remedy to prove in its day. Um, I was not really up for the task, uh, to, to, to be honest, but the urgency of the AIDS situation was um, huge. And so I decided to have a go anyway and failed miserably. Um, in fact, I, we tried two separate provings that really didn't um, come out right. And thanks to Jeremy, who uh, has been uh, a bit me to the proving post, as it were, he had some very good advice to give me. Um, it was that if you don't supervise the provers really well, you won't have a proving. And it's just so true. We, 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 we as provers need to be heard. We need to be witnessed. We need to be helped to keep notes of what we've experienced. Um, and we need somebody on our case every day while we're going through the proving. And that really does make all the difference. Um, I've tried AIDS proving several times around. I tried it with two different potencies and actually with two different blood samples. Um, I really wanted to be sure. See, if it's blood of somebody, how much is the individuality of the blood donor? And how much is the result of the infect infection from the AIDS virus? Um, it was, there's only one way to know, and that's to try it several times. So it was a long labor, but when you give something close attention and really worry, with it, worry on it, you get some pretty good results. It was um, a real eye-opener for me. The other thing that was um, a real eye-opener was that I took the AIDS proving um, on, uh, on the, the homeopathy um, seminar rounds. You, you remember how it used to be before, before COVID. Uh, many of us would come up with our proving full of intense enthusiasm for what we'd discovered and put it out there for everybody to benefit from. And thus I did in that same mood with, with AIDS. 
but something very strange happened. So let me just tell you this story because it actually says a lot about AIDS. Um, and it's, it, it's also very obvious that it, that it would do what it did. Um, in retrospect, things become obvious, don't they? I came to a, a stage in, in um, uh, I can't remember whether it was Holland or Belgium. It was a, 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 a large venue and there were at least 400 participants uh, there. So in the days of big seminars, uh, um, there were uh, various speakers uh, and I was one and I presented AIDS and I had with me one of the provers um, who, uh, who, who was instrumental in um, bringing out the proving. She was instrumental because she was, the action on her was curative. She was one of those very lucky people who received a similimum through approving. And that couldn't have happened before the proving, was it? So it was a momentous occasion for her, the proving was. Uh, she was. She was there not as my, uh, not as my assistant. Uh, she was there as, as, as a representative of another organization. So you could say she was there by chance. So the possibility of her appearing on stage was presented to her um, in the heat of the moment. Do you want to come and do this with me? Yes, she said. And I said, are you sure? Because you're going to, you know, it's, it's not just your experience with proving, it's actually your case which is being shown here because you were the one who got cured of, of those symptoms. And your case is, it's frankly the most terrifying, horrifying, worst case of sexual abuse I've ever encountered. I mean, any case of sexual abuse, sexual abuse in a child um, is horrific. But this was just, you know, it, 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 well, they all terrible, are they? But it was one of those. And she was going to expose herself. I said, are you sure you want to do this? She said, yes, because this is one way in which I can um, transform an experience which was completely negative into something that has the capacity for positive and for healing. So out she came. The two of us did our thing on the stage. And the effect um, was such that bells started ringing. Uh, let me explain to you how this worked. The seminary building was a dome-shaped, um, round circular building with a dome-shaped roof. And in, uh, in the structure of the dome were two circles that from which were suspended lights. I mean, incandescent lights, each in its own glass lampshade. And the lampshades started moving and they knocked one into the other. And as they knocked, so a sound was generated. It's a, gla a glass sound, um, quite high, quite shrill, and very unearthly, very eerie sound. And it gained intensity until the whole auditorium was filled with this ringing. And of course we stopped. We just stopped. That was the end of the, end of the show, you could say. Very memorable event. Um, I, I did say one thing, I, because I said, hey, listen, I can't go on. This, is, um, this experience is too, um, it's too deep, too profound. And to be bathed like this in, in I can say all I can think of is grace. To be bathed thus in grace is not an everyday experience. It's just, uh, we'll have lunch now. It's the lunch break.
This all seemed very good, but you know what? Nobody spoke about it. They spoke about many things, but not about this. And nobody invited me back to do any more teaching for a couple of years. That's what AIDS did. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with AIDS. Well, that's hardly surprising. We are, we, we've experienced a pandemic um, which we've responded to more vigorously than anybody responded to AIDS because we were able to. Um, but we know the sense of fear that uh, the disease engenders in us. Well, AIDS was like that and it was the first one, wasn't it? We really took hold of. If you have sex, whether you're gay or not, if you interchange fluids, even a kiss might be enough. You could become infected and you could die. And you remember the advertising to take care to wear, to wear condoms with gravestones being chiseled with the word AIDS. I mean, we were profoundly affected by this. Don't touch. Don't come anywhere near this. It can kill you. It's the Terminator. So it's hardly surprising that that was the response to AIDS and it's central to the idea in AIDS. After all, it brings about the breakdown of your immune defense system, which means that those things that harm you, attack you, bring about your downfall, get in where they should not. Normally the defense system stands as a barrier and as an intermediary, and that has been destroyed. No barrier. Okay, well, guess what happened at the beginning of the proving? Right at the beginning. People had beautiful images. They said, it's like youth, it's like beauty, it's like bubbles bursting. It's like flowers opening. It's like nature in her abundance, inviting you to join in the chorus of delights that is her living, vivacious being. And you know, when, <laughs> when you get such an amazing opening, like the grace of, uh, you know, in the seminar, all of that happens, that there's going to be an equal opposite uh, experience because everything in the manifest world does so through opposition. Light comes with dark, positive charge comes with negative charge, yang comes with yin, etc. So as high as you reach up, so dark you can fall. So the AIDS proving was a light dark one, like every proving is but with a particular kind of punch. I'm going to try and do some unconventional things here because um, I couldn't get, uh, I couldn't work out the technology. Um, so the first, the first thing I wrote about AIDS, after, you know, once, once I had the information in front of me, when we started gathering all the the material together, I wrote a little, a little couplet. That's a poetic form with two lines that rhyme. And they go like this. Break the border, merge the clan. The world can be one, a unified family of man. Of course, it should say woman as well, but that 
spoils the poetry, so I let it stand, even though it's not quite accurate. Break the border, merge the cat. The world can be one, a unified family of man. That's the plus side. Barriers gone. Love comes in, love comes out. And the negative side is, we'll come to it. So I wrote some stuff. This is in the book. And um, I'll, just, I'll just read it to you. Being a nosode, the AIDS state may appear in a patient as if it were an overlay. This can come about because they have been miasmatically infected by it. Once this overlay has been removed, the patient may, may present with a more individualized symptom picture. So this is standard stuff relating to the use of nosodes in treatment. Um, and it makes an assumption, which is that the AIDS state is a miasmatic state. Not only is it something that we will prove because it was in the bloodstream of a man who subsequently died of AIDS-related symptoms, it is also a miasm, which means that it pre-exists the physical form and shape, um, is presented by it um, in an infected disease organism, in this case, a virus, which is DNA, and, um, and it's transmitted, in this case, also sexually, though it's transmitted through blood, not just sex. But this has all the, the, the hallmarks of miasm uh, that, uh, that Hanuman gave to, uh, to the term. AIDS is miasm. Okay, what's the main present presentation? Typically patients present with weakness and vulnerability. Bad things may happen to this patient because they have an acquired victim consciousness. A major theme is erosion and breakdown of their protection. As this state takes hold, patients may increasingly seek isolation and withdraw into their shell, living like a hermit. They may also feel that others will be contaminated by them. Like untouchables, they feel unclean and ashamed and that they must be shunned. Their opposite polarity and their state after healing is to feel beautiful and innocent as a child at play in a sunlit garden. Because their wall, shell, protection has collapsed, feelings of unconditional love can flow in and out without hindrance. In a nutshell, the major theme is the breakdown of protection. As one prover put it, I had lost my wall and my shell and there was a free flow of emotions both in and out. I was exposed, almost naked, with no control. Uninterrupted flow between myself and the group. Versus, I do not belong, I feel excluded, and lied to. Um, I want to sidetrack for a moment and step out of the text in the book to say that in, in, in my opinion, the AIDS state, the, and therefore the nozo, is um, very alive and well in the world, and has been particularly um, brought into, yeah, wouldn't a manifestation is a pompous way of saying it. It's been made alive by the pandemic, because this is the way we have felt, the way we've been treated, and it's what we have to do. We've had to 
make sure that our boundaries are secure. We've had to not touch people and not let them in. And we have been treated, and many of us, I should say, have felt as though we've been treated as though we are the ones who are unclean, as though we will affect, infect others. And so what we have to do is keep our distance. This state of mind that, we are, that is now common is the AIDS miles of talking loud and clear, in my opinion. And therefore, the AIDS knows it can be used in treatment of, of uh, COVID patients in two areas. One is before they become infected, in other words, as a homeoprophylaxis, but more importantly, in the cases of long COVID. Now, we struggle with long COVID patients. All my colleagues do across nations. If, and so here we are, we're 150 people, homeopaths across nations, and I bet we'll agree that we have trouble treating long COVID. So what, what we may need is a nozo that represents the myosin. And my suggestion is that the AIDS nozo may be the one. And I just, you know, if you have cases like this that you have been giving remedies one after another after another, where the patient has changing picture but no real resolution, in patients that have what seem like ME symptoms, please give it a try. And um, I'd, love to, I'd love you to share your results. Please come back to me, to Manny, to, to Luke. It doesn't matter. Just say what you've experienced. I'd be really interested to know. Uh, you're muted, Misha. Sorry, you're I muted. Just, I was just going to say um, you're about you're at the um, fifteen minute mark, and you just you just need to unmute yourself. Okay, that's it. You're fine. The most striking and reoccurring image to appear in the dream of Hoover's was that of a house. Usually a drab external appearance, yet opulent within. And the image of buried treasure, another dream theme, reminds us of Hades' realm, wherein worldly riches and assistance to aid the dead have been entombed. So this is a, you know, this is an explanation after the event, but the, 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 the event is, these dreams occur so really frequently. These are most frequent dreams. In fact, I have never been involved in a proving in which so many provers had the same dream. The dream of opulent houses within, but rather drab on the outside. And the opulent within is, you know, fantastic stairways, great halls, ceilings with chandeliers, and boxes of treasure. This time. I'm going to skip because Benny just told me I've only got another few minutes. Um, I wanted to tell you about the prover who had a, a, a positive effect. Yeah. She says quite a lot, but I'll just redo an extract. There's another thing that's changed since being a prover of the AIDS nosote. It feels new and strange, which is that I feel better in company, whereas before I would always feel bad in company. Now it feels very painful being away from people and being by myself. 
I don't throw up when people hug me. It's quite an advantage, actually. It's kind of detrimental to relationships. Yeah, indeed, with an exclamation point. Imagine when somebody hugs you, you throw up. Yes, I used to be very nauseous around Ted's touch, and my osteopath really noticed it, that she was able to work with me much more before I would have a delayed reaction to the session. Over time, we had found a way of working, but I would still bob it afterwards, maybe even a day later. When I initially did the feeling, it was like being given a gift of seeing what is beyond, what is on the other side of all this confusion and terror. Is this what the world could be like? Is this what it's like to be comfortable around people? I feel a bit like a small child. I think before I felt that there was this little child in an adult's body screaming its head off to be heard. That was one of the things I felt I carried, this giant scream around me all the time. I don't have that now. I guess it's the difference between vulnerability and openness. I feel like a more open small child will be able to receive and take things, whereas before I felt completely vulnerable and terrified, making sure that I kept people out and yet desperately wanting to be in contact with you as well. That's when I walk around and talk to people about their experience with COVID. That's what I hear them say very often, amongst other things. Just that. They want to be around, but they can't. And it really screws with their heads. And of course, the terror that's involved undermines their immune defense system. It undermines the vital force. And uh, it makes them more vulnerable to infection. So it's a vicious circle, a vicious cycle that really could do with um, eradicating. Okay, uh, there's, I've, I've just touched the surface of the thing, but um, I've said what I most want to say, given the COVID situation and the treatment of long COVID patients, which is, please give it a try. I, I suggest that 200C is a good potency, but whatever you like, you should really determine the potency on the basis of the energy available by the patient in front of you. And if they're very weakened and brought down, maybe even a 200C will be too high. I suggest you start with a unit dose. And if you don't get a response after a couple of days, that you repeat the dose, maybe for four successive days at the same potency uh, to see what you can get out of it. And if the symptom picture changes, that's good. If the symptom picture page changes and the patient has more vital force available, that's very good, because it means you might and I have a clear indication of a, of a remedy that you can apply. And the patient, as I said, may not be an AIDS case, because um, AIDS cases are ones which usually have suffered abuse of one sort or another in their childhood. They've taken a kind of victim posture, and there's a reason for that. It's never, it's not a normal posture. Um, good. I think um, it'd be great to have a Q&A session. Thank you very much for giving me your ears. And it's been, um, I felt very free talking with you. Thank you for that freedom. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mish. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank mm. you. There's one more thank you which is to Manny. Yeah. If Manny hadn't bullied us all, or at least I felt bullied by him, 
<laughs> relentless kind of pressure to get this book done. I was going, oh, I don't want to do it. Um, it, it you know, just congratulations, Manny. Perseverance furthers. <laughs> the impending storm of the book, and then chan, there it is. Yeah, totally. Like, like, <laughs> and it's a beautiful book. I mean, it really is lovely. And what became very clear working on it and, and now looking at it is that this is a series. This is these. This is a series of short stories. This is a book of short stories. Each one is completely different, um, and they are amazing. What a what an extraordinary thing! Years, mm. uh, we are very blessed. Yeah, yeah. It's true that seeing them as a collection mm. makes you appreciate the unique qualities of each one. Yes, and having it having it distilled rather than a hundred or so page document allows yeah. you to you know just make those quick comparisons between them. Yeah, and I won't agree with everything that you've said actually. If you read the the nutshell, um, which is which is you know page one, which is just a, a short a short statement, it says about Oak Ball, for instance, it just opened here randomly. These people feel themselves to be ugly outcasts. They have homesickness. They feel like a parasite, but they work very hard to be attractive. Okay, so mm. that's like the key idea. And then you go to the back. You'll have the map of Mundi and uh, and the table of comparisons that we've just talking about. If you read those, those two pages, just that as a starter, mm. you, you get a sense of what this remedy is all about. And therefore, from a prescribing point of view, it may have turned up because you repertorized it. You don't know what this remedy is because you've never heard of it. Because mm. you, um, you can go to those two pages and get a sense of whether you're in the same ballpark as your patient or somewhere else entirely. It's a very yes. quick way of making this very useful. Um, good. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, a lot of work's been done repertorizing them too, and those are going to be available in synthesis very soon, which is exciting. So the remedies will become more available through repertorization yeah. in the digital version of synthesis. And synergy are bound to follow suit eventually. It's funny because they were first, yes. but now they're last. It's not really. Well, it's, uh, we had David Walkinton, who who was such a you know, yeah. what a guy. We had friendships, and now we have Lou <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things work through friendships and relationships. They actually, yeah, they do very much yeah. so. Yeah, of course they do. We're humans. That's yeah. how we work. And it's true, Synergy have their own repertories, so they're not beholden to what Roger wants to do. So, right. Yeah, good point. Um, so just looking at the questions coming through, please do ask um, any questions. We've got a little bit of time left and be very happy to help you. So somebody's asking um, where they get the book and is there a list of the remedies? So I'll put in the chat the web link um, to the book section of the school's website and the Proving's books there. And yes, the 27 remedies are listed out. Um, I can put that in the chat as well. Oh, no, it's too many to, it won't let me copy and paste all 27 in. Um, but they're, yeah, they're all there mm -hmm. on the website. Have a, have a quick look, that's probably the simplest. Um, other questions, somebody's asking, where does one get the digital version of synthesis? 
So that's uh, that's only in Radar Opus um, software, and the uh-huh. next version of Synthesis will be in version three of Radar Opus. So go to radaropus.com. Yeah, thank you. Um, somebody's asking, is it available in digital format? I assume you mean the book. Um, so at the moment, um, the book is only available in print, and we've done a hardback edition um, for the first print run. Um, once we do the second print run, um, then um, it, it will probably go to an ebook and it might become a paperback book at that point. Um, so yeah, if you want the if you want the hardback version, go for it. The remedies, somebody's asking about the remedies. So they're all available from Helios. Um, John Morgan has worked with us um, over the years, helping us with the pharmacy side of many of the provings. And then in more recent years, more closely actually being involved um, in some of the provings as well. Um, so yeah, Helios um, have the remedies there. If you have any um, trouble, then um, drop me an email and I can I can help. Just picking up on a couple of other questions there. Someone saying the Mathamundi is so helpful, um, just a comment, which I completely agree with there. Um, I'd like to hear that, thank you. Yes. There was also something um, very captivated by lightning. Then there was a question from Aaron about serotonin not being put on the water axis despite all the bladder UTI stuff, which is a totally fair comment. I think the idea with the Mapamundis was to keep them really uncluttered and just sort of displaying the kind of dynamic thrust of each remedy because it's quite easy to start populating the Mapamundis um, kind of overpopulating them. And uh, we, I think we wanted to sort of show that it's quite a sort of simple, that just like simple polarity in the remedy. So I think that's why we took that decision there. Um, somebody's asking about the link to the recording. So once the webinar is finished, then the recording will be um, available on the Zoom platform. And then tomorrow, Jen will put the link to the recording in the Dropbox folder. So if you want to access um, the recording, then you need to give it at least 24, maybe even 48 hours before clicking on the link, which Jen already provided further up in the chat. Um, So if you missed that, scroll back through the chat now and um, find, find that link from Jen. You obviously have to wait for the recording to be processed. It won't work now because it hasn't even finished. Exactly. Yeah. But it has to be converted to MP4 as well. There's a question about why the fulgurite was immersed rather than triturated. Um, Would you like to comment on that, Misha? I can answer that one. Um, Thanks to Peter Tamanello. Um, It's obvious that if you put a thing in a vessel of mortar and grind it, it alters its structure somewhat. I mean, putting it in water and shaking about means that its energy goes into the water and the water acts as the transference medium. Uh, It seemed a a more sensible way of doing it, very simply. Also because the structure, I guess the structure is um, amorphous given that it happens so quickly. And yeah, Peter's published a book where he looks at the seven, there's only seven types of crystalline structure that can be formed naturally and amorphous is the last one. So you actually capture the essence of the structure by keep preserving it in that way. Yeah. yeah. 
And you, you, you know, when Jeremy did Diamond and he put it in the vessel of mortar and ground it, the question was, what was, what was, what went into the lactose when it was ground? Was it done, or was it the pestle and mortar material? Well, that's an aluminous silicate, and it's very soft compared to diamond, so clearly it went in. So just, you know, it's a good example of how this is not the best way to do it, actually. But the whole issue is, is, um, is one to get wonderfully tangled up in, because it's all energy now. It's not the material. The, the information is, is, is transmitted through other channels. We can get wonderful results in homeopathy by giving remedies that aren't made by pharmacy. You need the remedy. You don't need the pharmacy done the way it's done. There are other ways of doing it. It doesn't even need water. In fact, so just saying. There's a correlation, someone speaking about the correlation between the AIDS remedy and long COVID. Hmm. They're saying, I seem to recall a scientific paper published early on during the pandemic that some of the protein of this COVID virus included AIDS signatures. This must be referring to Luke Montagnier. It is, yeah. 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 Morphologically, they're amazingly similar. Yeah. There's another question as well, Misha, um, to you, I think. In long COVID, should AIDS be the sole remedy or should it be administered alongside a remedy that the patient is presenting? The latter, but I suggest doing it um, uh, alternatingly rather than alongside. Because you'll, you'll get more of an understanding of what's actually happening if you don't give them simultaneously. There's a question here about um, a picture of serotonin seems to have huge polarities. True. Did most provers display both polarities or some one and others the other? Good question. Good in question. time, did it change? That's the most common thing that happens. Yes. In time, it goes from plus to minus or from minus to plus. The person who hates time, it straight away. Yeah, but in serotonin, I think the time factor of the change from one to the other was quite rapid, right? Yeah, I think so. I think most people experience both sides at, yeah, at some point. But yeah, I think more. I think there was more like happy giggly highness than the sort of yeah people who had maybe been in a depression before found that that came back that's what i would say that was certainly touched in them Mm. yeah Um, provers take a single dose of 30c so we have the remedy um in the room as a tincture Um, Nobody knows what the remedy is apart from um, the proving coordinators. And then the students, along with the equipment that John Morgan brings, basically take it in turns running the tincture up into a 30C potency. And then one drop of the 30C is is put onto some pileals. And then anyone in the group that wants to take the remedy is then invited to take the remedy. And that's that's kind of when the proving officially starts, when everybody's taken their dose of the remedy. And then we usually go into a meditation then, um, just to experience the first moments of the proving together, uh, and then have a brief chat um, about what came up in the meditation, if anyone wants to share. And then that's it, we all go away for a month and keep detailed diaries and then um, have a chat. With our, supervisors, with our supervisors involved in the creation of the diary Absolutely. on a daily basis, yeah. 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 And Lots then the zooming goes on. Yes. 
in the previous Even days. these days, yeah. There was no zooming in the days of serotonin. Someone actually put a nice comment at the start, uh, making that connection that it happened, you know, shortly, all that connection and love happened shortly before all that was taken away mm. by lockdown. Before someone else is saying, um, oh, it's Leoba asking if there's any cases like for people with hormone irregularities that have been treated yet with serotonin. But as far um, as I know, it's not being used. There were some cases um, shared in the, one of the journals um, from the Society of Homeopaths. And I believe that we have a couple of cases in the back of the book for serotonin. Um, no. Or am I? No, no, I'm remembering that wrong. Remembering sloth. I'm remembering sloth. Begins with yeah. S, that's why. <laughs> How different yeah. can you get? Eggs? Yeah, complete <laughs> clarity. No, different. no, we haven't got anything on serotonin yet. It's too new. It's one of the things, like like I said, a lot of Jeff's done a lot of work on hormones in glands and yeah. kind of understands the language patients might use to who would need that as a similimum. But neurotransmitters are not really talked about, discussed yet as a group of sarcodes. So what we want is we want you to go out there and use these remedies, have some fantastic cases, and then email them into me so that I can update the book and include more cases. Uh, Tom Janssen has a case there. Apparently. Yeah, we've got a lot of we've got a we've got a good selection of cases at the back, but it'd be wonderful to have more. So yeah, yeah. if you do if you do have cases, let let me know. Uh, 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 it's used as a support remedy in Tom Janssen's work. Sure, that makes sense. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, the person who needs it as as a similimum to to get that picture as well. There's a long question here. I would think the structure is extremely important to the crystals where it's a very distinctive quality and it allows the light to go through in a particular way, depending on which they are, but other substances. But here is energy related and probably it does not matter. We are also material, let's not forget it. And chemicals are a material representation of their more ethereal nature, but connect to the material world of our organs too. We need a link between matter and non-matter or we should have provings from different parts of animals to find a common thread between what are slightly different remedies. That is for scientific precision, which does have a role in our method too. Oh, that's a lot in one long sentence, one paragraph. It's a Hardamanian style sentence, that. You're going to have to unpack that aphorism. Unpack yeah. it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's um there's room for both approaches, and I know some people very much believe that which which part of the animal um really affects the nature of the proving outcome. Like Jeremy's talked about the fact that blood was used for the proving of the eagle, hasn't he? And that, in, as far as he's concerned, it's part of the reason why it has quite a syphilitic picture, if I'm remembering him correctly. We theorise. You don't know. And, and absolutely right. There's only one way out of theorising. And that's to try and see, yeah. yeah. Right. Of course we need that. Absolutely. It would be, it would be great to um, try, those, try more of that out. Unfortunately, there aren't that many people doing provings. It would be good if we had more. Well, people do provings, but they don't always write them up because yeah. it's such a massive job writing them up. Mm -hmm. So it's good to go through the experience of doing a proving as long as it's held properly. 
Um, but then the writing up of the proving is the big task that often doesn't happen or ends up being done in a bit of a rush. Mm. So it would be amazing to, you know, to, to look at things in more detail, but that would take, that would need a lot more proving. So we need, we need more people doing more provings and writing them up. <laughs> There's um, a request for the presentations to be shared. I'm happy to do that, Manny. I can send it to Jen. Yeah, I put mine in the Dropbox already. And then uh, Misha, how do you get around telling someone you are giving them a remedy called AIDS? Um, yeah, indeed. It's very difficult, isn't it? There's a story, and I can't remember which of the classical writers it is who writes about it. It's one of the, oh, one of the English homeopaths long dead, I think, talking about, um, uh, talking about having to give cephalinum uh, and, and, and not being able to say, or indeed write a script that says cephalinum. So they invented a new word for the remedy. They called it lueticum. I'm sure you know that it has two names. And that was specifically to get around that problem. How do you tell them you're giving them syphilis or giving them AIDS? Very difficult. Very difficult. How do you tell somebody who's a vegan that you're not going to give an animal remedy? Arsenosin's a classic as well. Yes, it is quite right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, a lot of education that's required. Mm. Yeah. No, so A, someone's suggesting. Yeah. A. Good suggestion. <laughs> Someone says, let's call AIDS Opal. The, the participants do have guidance for their diaries uh, in the sense that they're given direction from us and a spreadsheet that they should use and they're asked to explore the sensations and symptoms thoroughly and they have a like Misha said regular contact with their supervisor especially at the beginning great so what do you think chaps and shall we call it a day yeah we're on time that's good chaps is very British isn't it chaps yeah chaps very public school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah. The guys and gals? Guys and gals. Guys. Yeah. So everyone, it's been fabulous having you. It's a great, great turnout. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Maybe we'll maybe we'll look to do something else again in the future with another three remedies. I'll I'll have a chat to Misha and Luke and see. Um, but it's been fabulous sharing these three remedies with you and and telling you a bit more about the book. And it's been lovely seeing you all and getting together. So thank you for your time and have fabulous evening, afternoon or morning, depending on where you've connected in from. And thank you. Thanks, everyone. Waves all around. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank bye. you. Namaste. No <laughs>